Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right, this is episode 47 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, December 16th. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. Uh, and yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. Oh, uh, but by the way, my old employer would not allow me to say that on the radio. Uh, yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. A lot of people are having very serious negative reactions to the vaccine. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, unfi- uncensored, unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. All right, before we get to the big news today, let me just ask you, if you've tried to buy a car recently, have you noticed there's such a chip shortage? You may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. I know people have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are all over the USA. You can buy online and they will drive it to you. And Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore payment options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, Joe Biden went to uh, Kentucky yesterday to survey the damage from the tornado. Tornadoes. Of course, lied through his teeth, saying, oh, it's climate change. Oh, it's climate change causing this. Oh, we've got to do something about climate change. But while he was there, he didn't miss the opportunity to make young people feel uncomfortable. Yes. Now, you won't see anything about it on the mainstream media. I doubt Fox News has it. But there's a picture all over social media 
of him leaning into a young woman and she's leaning away and looking very uncomfortable. Young woman who'd been raising money for uh, victims of the tornadoes. There's also video of him and a little boy who looks like he couldn't be much older than eight or nine. Of course, Joe is standing behind the little boy with his hands on both shoulders. And at one point, as somebody else is speaking, Joe leans down and, of course, gives the little boy a kiss on the cheek. Now, this is all over social media, especially Twitter, and people are saying things like, why don't his handlers stop him from doing this? And the obvious answer is because they can't. Because they can't. This looks so bad, it sure does. And when he was running for president, fall of 2020, he promised that he would start being more conscientious about not invading people's personal spaces. Well, see, that's the thing. I give you my word as a Biden. That's the thing. None of his promises ever mean anything. He's been lying his whole life, you know? I mean, hey, you are aware that his daughter's diary came out a few weeks ago, right? I can hear heads exploding. People are like, wait, Biden has a daughter? Thought he just had two sons. No, he's got a daughter too. And in her diary, she mentioned taking inappropriate showers with dad when she's a little girl. The guy should be in prison, in my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. So anyway, here's Biden standing behind this little boy yesterday as someone else speaks. And leaving our landscape almost unrecognizable. Okay, this is where Biden makes his move and kiss, kiss, get, gives a kid a kiss on the cheek. Who I am. I spent Christmases on a porch. Thank God is still standing. Not too far from here. My granddad would put me on his tractor and drive me around town, which is a pretty big deal for a little kiddo. I buried my kid right here in town, just down the road. To me, this was always a safe place. Bad things did not happen here. The whole time, Biden standing directly behind this eight- or nine-year-old boy with his hands on his shoulders, and at one point during the pause there, he's like, oh, let, let me make my move, and leans way down because the kid's not very tall. He's eight or nine. Uh, plants a kiss on his cheek. He's a freak. He's a freak. No, I'm not going to call him president. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, they stole that thing. He's usurper Biden, not president. Usurper Biden. Forgive me if you've heard this before, but uh, <clears throat> every two years in January, the vice president of the United States, whoever it is, gets to swear in new senators and also gets to swear in senators who have been reelected. It's a big deal. They bring the whole family, a lot of times two or three generations. 
and it's broadcast live on C-SPAN. And there are many videos of Biden swearing in senators, both Republican and Democrat. And he'd tell the whole family, okay, everybody look up at the camera. And as he would say this, he'd have a little girl positioned in front of him and be manhandling her, molesting her. It's on video. Now, if you if you type in Creepy Joe on YouTube, you may or may not be able to find it. The best way to find it, Google probably not. Uh, the best way to find it would probably be to go to duckduckgo.com, the uh, alternative search engine, and look up Creepy Joe. Don't take my word for it. You'll find it. I mean, the guy is a, is a pedophile, and he should be in prison. Now, I wonder if any federal agents are going to come uh, uh, question me about that. We'll see. I'll let you know. But it's true. It's true. Now, Jill Biden yesterday went to Waukesha, Wisconsin. And in case you're thinking, oh, finally, somebody from the White House goes to um, pay respects to victims of the racial massacre a few weeks ago, the Christmas parade in Waukesha. No, 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 no. She goes to the hospital in Waukesha, Wisconsin, where victims of the racial attack by the Black Lives Matter enthusiast are still fighting for their lives in the hospital, and she goes to talk about vaccines. Talk about rubbing it in your face, huh? Talk about rubbing it in your face. They want us to know that they don't care. And they're making a they're making their point heard loud and clear. My buddy Kenny listening live today saying Biden sniffing people right after a storm. That's right. That's right. The thing that apparently has not occurred to him is that um, he's not going to get away with us forever. You know? I mean, sooner or later, just like everybody else, Sooner or later, he'll uh, leave this earth and have to go stand before his creator and give an account for what he's done. Anyway, so that's what Joe did yesterday, and that's what Jill did yesterday. Show the ultimate disrespect. Now, I want to go over to a uh, Twitter profile called An Open Secret, which features the film Hollywood Doesn't Want You to See, Hollywood Pedophiles and Convicted Sex Offenders, An Open Secret. And here's what they're saying now. The FBI sent over a dozen agents to investigate a rope pull in a NASCAR garage. 
an FBI agent covered up for serial pedophile USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nasser for over a year. The FBI did not arrest the pedophile CNN producer for 17 months after seizing his devices with incriminating admissions. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of that? Yeah. Longtime CNN producer John Griffin's devices seized 17 months before child sex trafficking arrest. Nevada complaint alleges nine-year-old was left with Griffin alone when mother was hospitalized after BDSM trist. But the nine-year-old told a social worker interviewed her that on separate occasions she had been forced to watch this is rough. Her adoptive mother engaged in sex acts with four different men, including Griffin. Huh. So did those men pay Griffin? Now, ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, everybody is ignoring this. Longtime CNN producer John Griffin's devices seized 17 months before child sex trafficking arrests. They're not even mentioning the arrest of this guy who is the longtime producer for Chris Cuomo. Not even mentioning it. Wonder why that is. Wonder why that is. UK Daily Mail. Says Nevada woman who took $3,000 from pedophile CNN producer to fly girl nine years old across country to Boston before joining in as he sexually abused her. 48-year-old Heather Carricker from Nevada charged with child abuse, sexual assault against a child under 14, and lewdness with a minor under 14. Carricker's accused of accepting more than 3000 from ex-CNN producer John Griffin to transport a nine-year-old child to his home in Vermont for sex. Griffin, 44, who previously produced Cuomo Primetime. I thought it was Fredo Primetime. Is it Cuomo Primetime? Was fired after being indicted by a federal grand jury for sex crimes against girls. Carricker allegedly admitted to having nine-year-old photograph BDSM sex involving adult toys with Griffin in July 2020. Federal prosecutors alleged Griffin engaged in unlawful sexual activity with the nine-year-old at his ski cabin in Ludlow, Vermont. Okay, now wait a minute. What did CNN know, and when did they know it? What did CNN know, and when did they know it? They fired him after the grand jury comes up with charges, but when was this? Fired after being indicted by a federal grand jury for sex crimes against girls. When was this? And why are we just now finding out about it? I wonder. A federal grand jury in Vermont on Friday indicting Griffin with three counts of using a facility of interstate commerce to attempt to entice minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity. Okay, wait a minute. So they fired Fredo before they fired this guy? See, that's what's not quite clear here. 
That's what's not quite clear here. According to that earlier indictment from April to July of 2020, Griffin, who had worked at CNN for nearly eight years, used the messaging apps Kick and Google Hangouts to communicate with people purporting to be parents of young daughters, telling them, among other things, that a woman is a woman regardless of her age, that women are the dirtiest sluts possible, and they should be sexually subservient and inferior to men. Federal prosecutors stated that Griffin sought to convince parents to allow him to train their daughters to be sexually submissive. CNN initially suspended Griffin while awaiting the conclusion of the investigation, but the network has since terminated him. Oh, I see. A CNN spokesperson said in a statement, the charges against Mr. Griffin are deeply disturbing. We learned of his arrest Friday afternoon and terminated his employee Monday. Oh, okay. Terminated his employment Monday. I see. The federal indictment alleged Griffin once bragged about, oh, gee. Yeah, this is just getting too rough. But uh, this guy, this guy worked all those years at CNN, and nobody, I guess, uh, had any suspicions. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was Matt Lauer or something. Not like he was Charlie Rose. Come on. Not like he was uh, Harvey Weinstein. Come on. Nobody had any suspicions on this guy, right? I mean, this is uh, this is some rough stuff here. I guess you make a lot of money being a producer at CNN. They're showing a picture of his sprawling two-story home in the exclusive Wilson Point gated community of Norwalk, Connecticut. No, no, no. I think he inherited some of the money. His dad was a uh, big-time agent for Hollywood stars. So, Yeah. <sighs> it's uh, It's tragic. It's heartbreaking. But, see, the question is, why did the FBI wait 17 months so this guy could abuse other little girls, allegedly, 17 months after they got his uh, computers and cell phone and all that? A spokesman the U.S. Attorney's Office of Vermont did not immediately return a request for comment on the reason for the delay in charging Griffin. Yeah, uh, I'm sure they didn't want to comment. FBI didn't arrest him till last Friday. Media outlet also said no CNN-owned devices issued to Griffin went missing or reported loss in September 2020 when Investigators said they seized some of his electronics. Okay, so he did it on his personal uh, computers. But um, law enforcement seized 
text messages about explicit activities involving the child but didn't arrest the pedophile CNN producer for another 17 months. And the folks over in, in, in Open Secret say, imagine a world in which governments went after pedophiles as hard as they're pushing the vaccine. I can't imagine that world. I mean, do you know what the deal was with Epstein? Seriously. Do you know what the deal was with Jeffrey Epstein? Back in 08, 09, when Epstein had kind of like a plea agreement to go to jail for his his crimes. I mean, very small amount of his crimes. So the deal was he got a 13 month jail sentence in South Florida. Six days a week, he was out, uh, allowed out 12 hours a day to quote-unquote go to the office. Part of the plea agreement was that uh, the feds and state attorney in Florida agreed they wouldn't prosecute any of his co-conspirators. And so once he gets out, He's once again a, a, a darling of the Hollywood and the uh, the social elite, Prince Andrew and everybody. Bill Gates. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it worked out that way? And the feds wants to believe that he actually killed himself. So the idea here is that um, Galen Maxwell, who's uh, on trial, the trial you never hear about. She's not nearly as famous as uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Who, frankly acted in self-defense to save his life. But, um, so, Glenn Maxwell, actually her brother said something that makes sense. Uh, they're going to send her away for Jeffrey Epstein's crimes, and they're not going to go after anybody else. Uh, have you thought about the fact that the feds did not did not offer Glenn Maxwell a deal to name names. Has that occurred to you? How many times was Bill Clinton on Lolita Express? You remember Amy Robach? ABC News. Remember that? Amy Robach. Complaining. That they had the goods on not just Jeffrey Epstein, but also on Clinton. Remember that? And they wouldn't let him on. They wouldn't let him go to air with it. 
I, uh, you know, let's see if I can find that real quick. Let's see if we can get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, hang on. In 2019, an ABC insider leaked a video to the Project Veritas group. The video contained footage of Amy Robach explaining how her report on Jeffrey Epstein and an interview with Epstein victim Virginia Roberts Jeffrey was held back by her network. The Project Veritas group released the video online on November 5th, 2019. It went something like this. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for twelve years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail, and now it's all coming out, and it's like these new revelations, and I freaking had all of it. I'm so pissed right now. Like, every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh, my God. We, it was, um, what what we had was unreal. Yep. Yep. And, and, And by the way, it's not coming out. That's the only thing wrong with what she said. It's not really coming out. The overwhelming majority of Americans don't have any idea that Bill Clinton went to Jeffrey Epstein's private island on the Lolita Express. They don't know. And the overwhelming majority of Americans have no idea that Amy Robach had this story that her network, ABC, wouldn't wouldn't let her get out there, wouldn't let her put on television. For that matter, the overwhelming majority of Americans, sad to say, don't have any idea. And there's a woman in Arkansas named Juanita Broderick who has a very credible allegation of rape against Bill Clinton from 1978 when he was Attorney General of Arkansas running for governor. I've been in Little Rock, Arkansas now for seven and a half years. I've met people here. I'm not talking about young people, older people, who've never heard of Juanita Broderick, have no idea what I'm talking about. So, um, so yeah. You know, speaking of an open secret, again, an open secret is a Twitter profile with a film that Hollywood doesn't want you to see about Hollywood pedophiles and convicted sex offenders. And they comment on uh, this kind of thing. And they got a thread on Twitter this morning. Did you know the leading Democrat candidate for North Carolina's open U.S. Senate seat 
is a woman named Sherry Beasley. Sherry Beasley. As Chief Justice of the North Carolina State Supreme Court, Sherry Beasley repeatedly ruled in favor of convicted pedophiles. James Terrell's girlfriend found a lewd photo of her nine-year-old granddaughter on his USB drive. She took the USB to police, who searched it and found more child porn. Now, Fourth Amendment permits warrantless searches on private info, but Sherry Beasley overturned the conviction. In State v. Grady, Sherry Beasley ruled against ankle monitors for convicted sex offenders. In State v. White, Sherry Beasley threw out an indictment of a man convicted of molesting a seven-year-old girl. In State v. Keller, Sherry Beasley threw out the conviction of a man who thought he was messaging a 15-year-old boy on the Internet even after he learned the age. Her decision applied broadly would end all policing operations against pedophiles. Sherry Beasley's Democrat primary opponent dropped out today and endorsed her. She is now the presumptive Democrat nominee for North Carolina's open U.S. Senate seat in 2022. Just thought you should know. Just thought you might be interested, especially our listeners in North Carolina, the state I grew up in. Just thought uh, it might be of interest to you. All right, that having been said, you know, we talk a lot on the Doc Washburn show about how the government does a number on us over and over again. And they did a big number on us in 2009 when they passed Obamacare. Did Obamacare, which they lied about, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, need to check out my buddy Art Wilborn's website. It's called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. What? How's such a thing possible? It is. There's a little button that says schedule call now. And Art is hearing from people from all over the country. And we're glad. Because he's got a great deal for you. Now, when you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you book the free consultation. Art Wilborn will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Also, he gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, which would violate your conscience, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs. Go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com for affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. You will be glad you did.
All right, that having been said, that having been said, uh, look at the uh, twitchy.com an update on Salvation Army. Article entitled, Ho, Ho, Oh, Snap. Salvation Army's recent attempt at being woke with their donations has backfired in a huge way. Have you heard about this? Remember earlier in the season when the Salvation Army decided it would ask people who donate to apologize for their white racism? Apparently, alienating and insulting your donors seemed like sort of a bad idea if you need to raise a good bit of money for the holiday season, right? And then when the Salvation Army received pushback, they backpedaled a bit, but didn't really apologize for insinuating people who give them money and toys are racists, which seems to result in some serious consequences for the charity. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they came out and said, look, this was an internal document and wasn't meant to go public, and of course we don't believe all white people are racist. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. So caught, say caught, right? Uh, Fox Business reporting Salvation Army's racism guide tells white Americans racism is systemic and colorblindness is harmful. The guide also says Christians need to evaluate racist attitudes and practices. Why is colorblindness harmful? Why shouldn't we treat all people the same? I mean, colorblindness is is the opposite of racism. Now, Fox Fox 13 TV in Seattle, the situation is dire. Salvation Army facing toy donation shortage ahead of holidays. Hey, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Walking in a grocery store, a couple of days ago, and I didn't see feel the slightest twinge of guilt or regret that I'm ignoring the bell ringer. No, nope, not after what they did. Fox 13, Seattle. Salvation Army is facing a shortage of toys and donations ahead of the holiday season, and they urge communities to find a way to help. The nonprofit reports it gets 75% of total annual donations during November and December, and they're once again in need of support. Colonel Cindy Foley of the Northwest Salvation Army Division says there are many reasons why both financial and toy donations are down this year, not the least of which is likely pandemic fatigue and concerns about employment in the future. We're actually trying to provide food, shelter, toys, and clothing to double the number of families we served last Christmas. And in the midst of the growing need, we are seeing fewer people donating at our virtual and physical kettles. Not only is the nonprofit organization short of donations, they also are in desperate need of bell ringers to staff the red kettle seen at businesses around the country. So they're blaming COVID fatigue for the donations being down? Really? Really? That means they haven't learned anything from this. Haven't learned a thing. That's not the reason, and they know it, but they can't admit the reason. So, uh, word to the wise.
Get woke, go broke. Now, we had the story a little bit earlier of uh, the longtime producer of Chris Cuomo being arrested for alleged sexual crimes against minors. Now, Project Veritas has a story of another CNN producer, and it's uh, it's just... Uh, It's just, uh, I just can't, um, it's too graphic, but it's out there, just so you know. It's out there. Another story over at Twitchy. You will not get me, pardon me, you will not quiet me today. California public school parents whose children were secretly ID'd as trans by activist teachers are fighting back. It says, we tried for a little bit to come up with a clever way to preface the thread you're about to read, but sometimes snark isn't the appropriate approach. This merits full-blown outrage. So read it and be outraged. Now let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this. Two teachers at a California school reportedly coached a twelve-year-old into a coached a twelve-year-old into a trans identity behind her parents' back. The school also changed her name and pronouns without informing the parents. So, the mom had a speech last night, and it went something like this: Let these teachers come in and act as if they have nothing wrong. They've done nothing wrong. A mistake. How long of a mistake, how many mistakes are we going to take before my child almost lost her life? They didn't tell me that my child was suicidal. You allowed these teachers to open their classrooms teaching predatorial information to a young child, a mindful child that doesn't even know how to comprehend it all. How do you not know what was going on on your own campuses? Did you think that no parent would ever come forward? You will not quiet me today. I will stand here today and protect my child along with every other child who has not come forward yet. Do you, do you, do they have psychiatry degrees that I was unaware of? Because I didn't hire them. Okay, I did not hire them to sit there and nitpick my child's brain. You took away my ability to parent my child. Even before I had any knowledge. I didn't even get to show support. You asked for support, I didn't get a chance. You planted seeds, Ms. Caldera, and Ms. Baraki, Mr. Brock, and you, Ms. Pagarin. Your job was to educate my child in math, science, English, etc. Do your job and let me do mine. They They assumed that my child needed your aid and resources. They pushed it in the face. And tonight, I will stick up for her. Ms. Caldera, you're guilty. Ms. Baraki, you're guilty. You changed her personal documentation, her gender, her name, her email. I authorized an AKA added to her attendance because I wanted to be supportive. But guess what? She's allergic to bees. Her medical record says a birth name, and you changed it. Who administers that now? Not everything. Not me. You guys did this on your own accountability, and you've gone too far. They downgraded me in front of my child and allowed me to question myself as a mother. You sat there and told me how my child was going to be. 
And then you wrapped your hands around her while I sat across the table and cried. Because you thought you could be there better than I, and I never got a chance. She was scared to even say anything. Your guys' voice were heard, not hers. A lot of passion there. A lot of passion. The school reportedly called the parents in for a meeting where they informed them that their daughter was trans. The teacher then proceeded to call CPS on them when they didn't use the correct name and pronouns. You got that? They called Child Protective Services when the parents didn't use the correct name and pronouns of their daughter that the teachers were telling them all of a sudden was their son. At Spreckles Union School District, serving children from the communities of Spreckles, Las Palmas, Indian Springs, and the Highway 68 Corridor in Southern California. So here's what the dad had to say at the school board meeting last night. Uh, But the reason I'm here is for our straight-A students. These are the smart ones. And she happens to be the subject uh, for me tonight. Uh, She was the one that... um, you know, she's a straight-A student all of her life. She's now entered in the high school, a straight-A student. And, yeah, she's the one that's confused because she was coached. And if, and if you're the victim, you can't speak. You can't say what, what's happening to your life. It's, my daughter was a uh, CPS was called on my daughter because she went out of school to uh, to have a discussion with the teacher for hiding uh, for hiding the fact that she was given a new name, a boy's name. You know, for for a boy to be told that if you think you're a girl, you're a girl. If you think you're a girl, boy, you're a boy. You know, that's that's just vile nonsense. Uh, the fact that uh, suicide wasn't brought up to my daughter infuriates me. You know, the teacher needs to let, and principal as well. Principal knew about it as well, okay? So let no one fool you with this pleasant speeches. And I'm sorry, I should be talking to you. But um, you know, I think education needs to be grounded on truth. Uh, we need God back in America, you know. We need back God back in schools. Um, I just feel that our kids are impressionable at that age, and, uh, you know, we should keep the parents informed. Um, I, I say uh, resign or repent. I'm merciful. Praise God. Wow. Wow. So the teachers coaxed her to join an equality club, which is really a disguise for a gay-straight alliance club. These teachers were recorded at an event in November bragging about how they disguise the name of the LGBT club so they can indoctrinate kids without any obstacles. Wow. 
Um, and they have a couple of articles from the EpochTimes.com. One on their plans to indoctrinate students while hiding it from their parents. It's absolutely appalling. And then another on how they coaxed her into a trans identity behind her parents' back, caused her emotional distress, and she became suicidal. The school did not tell the parents that their daughter was suicidal. Okay. And this all started when Abigail Schreier, journalist Abigail Schreier, broke the story a few weeks ago of how teachers planned to indoctrinate students into the LGBT community. No action was taken then. Now parents are coming forward. Hopefully, now the school will finally do something. Uh, Good luck on that. Good luck on that. And they have some of the uh, materials that were handed out at the California Teachers Association LGBT training where these teachers spoke about indoctrinating students. Materials meant to be used with students in the GSA clubs. Well, see, part of the problem here is that the overwhelmingly Democrat California State Legislature passed a law several years ago that uh, mandated teaching LGBT stuff to kids K through 12. So, I mean, that's state law in California. Another parent spoke and called out the predatory behavior by these teachers last night at this uh, school board meeting in Southern California. Um, Father of three kids that went through Spreckles Elementary in Buena Vista, I thank you all for your time and attention tonight to this issue. Um, This is not easy to talk about. These were teachers that we knew and supported in the classroom, and their actions have gone too far. They've used predatory tactics to push political activism on our school grounds to our children. How do I know they're predatory? As a volunteer in youth activities, you go through a lot of training. They train us exactly what to look for. You look for people that use powers, their power of position or authority, which teachers in a school environment are in a power of position and authority. They single kids out. They look for kids that don't fit or different or need attention. They did internet searches. They listened to conversations, and they looked for kids that were different, and they exploited them. They gave kids extra attention. They gave personal invitations to their club. That was the extra attention they needed. They allowed kids to do things, maybe, that their parents weren't particularly supportive of. Lastly, they withheld information from parents and they created a system that didn't allow parents to check in on things. There's a lot of questions to ask. I'll, I'll send an email because there's a lot of questions. There's a history here. The board probably needs to be part of the investigation, not overseeing the investigation, but part of it to find out what was been corresponded in the past. 
Mr. Tarallo has a history here at these campuses. He probably needs to be part of it as well, and Mrs. Pagarin. The real issue is the two teachers, but the whole thing needs to be looked at. Unfortunately, Ms. Caldera and Ms. Brocky showed their inability to control their personal political agendas. This proves that there's no place for either of these two on school campuses. I think the state board needs to determine whether they should be teachers. Well, see, the, the state board's probably going to agree with him. It's California. I mean, God bless him. You know, he's doing the right thing. But I don't know um, the, the degree to which parents understand how big this thing is. See, that's the problem. I don't know if they understand the extent to uh, which this whole mindset, this whole worldview has taken over the government school system. Over 10 years ago, the state of Arkansas passed a law back when they still had uh, super majorities of Democrats, both House and Legislature, um, and they put it in student handbooks for all the middle and high schools in the state of Arkansas that um, bullying was not just um, harassing somebody because of their uh, uh, religion or color of their skin. Or... There's also, if a child in middle or high school refused to acknowledge that Fred had become Brenda or that Susie now identified as Hank. You're a bully for not affirming the transgender thing. That was over 10 years ago. And there have been Republican supermajorities in uh, in the state legislature for a number of years now, uh, and they haven't undone that in the state of Arkansas. You know, so, so yeah, it's going to be kind of rough in California. It's going to be kind of rough in California. All right, uh, just thought you might want to know. Just thought you might want to know the CDC is now admitting nearly 8 in 10 people who are testing positive for this Omicron variant of the China virus are fully vaccinated. Just, just thought you might want to know. The great Todd Zywicki, George Mason University Foundation Professor of Law, Antonin Scalia Law School, out there on Twitter this morning saying, three months ago, the FDA Advisory Committee voted 16-2 to against boosters for the general public. Now, colleges are mandating boosters for spring semester, many of whom also had COVID this summer already, COVID and three shots in an 18-year-old kid in six months? Are these people for real? Are these people for real? I mean, you got to wonder after a while, right? You just... I mean... The... um. 
The problem here is that there's a lot at stake for them. You know? There is a lot at stake for them. And they have absolutely no intention. No intention whatsoever in backing down. It's just not. Fauci's going to keep pushing. Fauci doesn't want to go to jail. Got it? Fauci knew that it came from a lab leak. Even while he lied and said, oh, that's conspiracy theory or whatever. He knew that it came from a lab leak. He knows that ivermectin works. He knows that you're much less likely to get the Wu flu, the China virus, if uh, you're healthy, if you're not obese. Doesn't care. Not going to say a word about it. Not going to say a word about it. He belongs in prison for the rest of his life. Absolutely belongs in prison for the rest of his life. Now, while we're at it, let's let's take a look at this. Um, Dr. Robert W. Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccines and RNA as a drug. So he links this article, 318 athlete cardiac arrests, Serious issues, 178 dead after a COVID shot. Really? And he says in his tweet, this is not normal. These damages are irreversible, including death. Ask yourself, do you want to take the risk of causing your child to have heart damage after taking a vaccine to prevent a disease that poses minimal risks? Minimal risks. The disease itself, not the vaccine. See, this is the kind of thing that would have gotten me fired from uh, Cumulus Media. People ask me on a regular basis, Doc, we love the podcast, but we sure do miss you on the radio in Little Rock, Arkansas. Any chance you go back? And my response tends to be something along the lines of, Okay, um, do you think there's do you think there's any chance that the totally woke liberal CEO and board of directors of Cumulus Media are going to admit they're wrong about the vaccines? I can't imagine that happening. Can you? I wonder how many people, because Cumulus Media has like thousands of employees, right? They got something like 800 radio stations. I wonder how many people who felt forced to get the vaccine have had negative side effects. You don't hear about that. See, because the media, they want to focus on 
high-profile personalities like Phil Valentine, who was who did afternoons at the big talk radio station for Cumulus in Nashville, who got COVID and died. They want to focus on stuff like that. They don't want to focus on people who've had negative side effects from the vaccines. Right? So this uh, this article over at goodsciencing.com, 318 athlete cardiac arrest, serious issues, 178 dead after COVID shot. Here's what it says. It's definitely not normal for young athletes to suffer from cardiac arrest or to die while playing their sport, but this year it's happening. All these heart issues and deaths come shortly after they got a COVID vaccine. While it's possible this can happen to people who did not get a COVID vaccine, the sheer numbers clearly point to the the only obvious cause. The so-called health professionals running the COVID vaccine programs around the world, keep repeating that, quote, the COVID vaccine is a normal vaccine and it's safe and effective, unquote. So in response to their pronouncement, here is a non-exhaustive and continuously growing list of young athletes who had major medical issues in 2021 after receiving one or more COVID vaccines. Initially, many of these were not reported. We know that many people were told not to tell anyone about their adverse reactions and the media was not reporting them. They started happening after the first COVID vaccinations. The mainstream media still are not reporting most, but sports news cannot ignore the fact that soccer players and other stars collapse in the middle of a game due to a heart attack. Many of those die, about 50%. Sidelined athletes with quote, illness, unquote, not included in this report. Many sports teams now have multiple sidelined players. There are dozens of them. The teams and big media are hiding this, thinking nobody will notice. These damaged players will not be shown in the report if they are reported only as illness, but they would be worth tracking because it's not normal to have so many. Their immune systems are likely to have been compromised by something, so, so they will be open to many things they would normally have been able to shrug off. We leave it to others to track these. We have our hands full for handling the investigations for this list, going back in time, trying to find new information that wasn't available before, and making minor corrections as they are discovered. It will all come out eventually. And there is a, uh, <clears throat> a graph here. of the deaths and the collapses going up, up, up. They got a non-exhaustive list of injuries reported. Most were cardiac arrest. So you got that cardiac arrest, and you got blood clots or thrombosis, stroke, irregular heartbeat, arrhythmia, neuropathy, and death. And you got a, a growing report, athletes collapsing all over the world from the U.K. Guardian, the Guardian is not a conservative paper, by the way. Not being a stretch of the imagination. And they say, this story will grow over time as new information is added. 
If you have proof of information that we don't already have or you have a correction, please send it through our contact form with as much information as possible. Useful information would be the person's name, age, what happened to them, if they had the COVID vaccine, date of death, link to any news story. Special thanks to readers who provided corrections, yada, yada, yada. And then it says, repeat this after reading each line. Quote, the COVID vaccine is a normal vaccine. The COVID vaccine is safe. These injuries and deaths are normal, unquote. And then the list. Oh, my goodness. Hundreds of names. Starting with Blake Barkledge, only 17 years old, a tennis player at LaSalle High School in Windmere, Pennsylvania, collapsed and died with cardiac arrest after his team's victory in the PCL on New Year's Day 2001. And each one of these links to a news story. Each one of them does. I wonder if they mention Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron passed away a couple of weeks after he got the COVID vaccine. Of course, he was retired for many years. I was a big Hank Aaron fan. Yep. Number four. January 21. Pardon me, no, January 22nd, 2021. 86-year-old Hank Aaron, former pro baseball player, received his COVID vaccine on January 5th, 2021, to demonstrate the safety of the vaccine and encourage other black Americans to do the same. Died two weeks later in his sleep, listed as natural causes. Yep. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in the summertime, we would, uh, my parents would drive us kids down to Atlanta sometimes to see the Braves play. Actually saw Hank Aaron hit a home run. So he gets the vaccine on January 5th to demonstrate the safety and encourage other black Americans to do the same. And, uh, 17 days later, dies in his sleep. Um, Marvin Hagler. Remember him? He fought Joe Frazier. I think he might have fought fought, uh, Muhammad Ali. Marvin Hagler, 66. Boxer was rushed to hospital with chest pains, trouble breathing before dying four hours later. Vaccinated. I'm just uh, scrolling through the list here, you know, see if we uh, see if I see any uh, familiar names because a lot of these people are high school and college athletes that hardly anybody's ever heard of outside their their hometown. So, um, oh, Demarius Thomas, thirty three. You hear about him? Demarius Thomas, 33. Former wide receiver, Denver Broncos, died alone in his home 
either from a seizure or cardiac arrest in the shower. He had apparently been having seizures for a year. By the time police arrived, rigor mortis had set in. 33. Thirty-three. That's the guy that um, Tim Tebow threw the long bomb to to beat the Steelers in the playoffs a few years back. That guy. Um. It's uh. It's horrific what's being done to people. It's horrific what's being done to people. They have hundreds of names here of athletes with serious health problems, some of whom are dying. after getting the vaccination. Unbelievable. And yet they keep pushing it. They keep pushing it. Something really wrong here. Really wrong. Okay, uh, on an unrelated note, Real Clear Investigations announces a former senior FBI lawyer who falsified a surveillance document in the Trump-Russia investigation has been restored as a member in good standing by the District of Columbia Bar Association, even though he has yet to finish serving out his probation as a convicted felon, according to disciplinary records obtained by Real Clear Investigations. The move is the latest in a series of exceptions, the bar is made for Kevin Kleinsmith, who pleaded guilty in August 2020 to doctoring an email used to justify a surveillance warrant targeting former Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. Kleinsmith was sentenced to 12 months probation last January, but the D.C. bar did not seek his disbarment as is customary after lawyers are convicted of serious crimes involving the administration of justice. In this case... It did not even initiate disciplinary proceedings against him until February of this year, five months after he pleaded guilty, and four days after Real Clear Investigations first reported he had not been disciplined. After the negative publicity, the bar temporarily suspended Kevin Kleinsmith pending a review and hearing. Then in September, the court that oversees the bar and imposes sanctions agreed with its recommendations to let Kleinsmith off suspension with time served. The bar, in return, restored his status to active member in good standing. Before quietly making that decision, however, records indicate the bar did not check with his probation officer to see if he had violated the terms of his sentence or if he had completed the community service requirement of volunteering 400 hours. To fulfill the terms of his probation, Kleinsmith volunteered at Street Sense Media in Washington but stopped working at the nonprofit group last summer which has not been previously reported. Street Sense editorial director Eric Falquero told Real Clear Investigations, I can confirm he was a volunteer here, without elaborating about how many hours he worked. 
Kleinsmith had helped edit and research articles for the weekly newspaper, which coaches the homeless on how to sleep on the streets and calls for a universal living wage and prison reform. What? Coaches the homeless on how to live, sleep on the streets. What? From the records, it also appears bar officials did not consult with the FBI's inspection division, which has been debriefing Kleinsmith to determine if he was involved in any other surveillance abuses tied to Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants. In addition to the one issued, the, the one used against Carter Page, Kleinsmith's cooperation was one of the conditions of the plea deal he struck with special counsel John Durham, if he fails to fully cooperate, including turning over any relevant materials or records in his possession, he could be subject to perjury or obstruction charges. Kleinsmith, who was assigned some of the FBI's most sensitive and high-profile investigations, may still be in Durham's sights regarding others, other areas of his his wide-ranging probe. This is nuts, man. This is nuts. This guy should have gone to jail in my humble opinion, and you're entitled to it. I mean, this is this is some crazy, cray-cray stuff. But again, they let people off. They let people off. It's ridiculous. There's no excuse for it. None whatsoever. Oh boy, I uh, I get worked up sometimes because there's so much injustice. You know what I'm saying? There's so much injustice. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at what's going on in Ted Cruz's Twitter timeline today. Yeah, I think it's about time to do that. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by... RedRiverYourWay.com, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. The police in freedom, your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. Go online, RedRiverYourWay.com. And when you purchase that vehicle, they'll deliver it to your front door. Wherever you are. So the top tweet on Ted Cruz's Twitter profile today. He links to an article that says, police say all from U.S. missionary group freed in Haiti. And Ted Cruz responds, praise God, thankful these missionaries have been released after two months of captivity in Haiti, just in time for Christmas. And here's what it says. The AP, Dateline, Port-au-Prince, Haiti, The remaining members of U.S. missionary group who were kidnapped two months ago in Haiti have been freed. Haitian police and the group said Thursday. The spokesman for Haiti's National Police, Gary Desrosiers, confirmed to the AP 
the hostages had been released but did not immediately provide additional details. Christian Aid Ministries said in a statement, We glorify God for answered prayer. The remaining 12 hostages are free. Join us in praising God that all 17 of our loved ones are now safe. The Ohio-based group said it hopes to provide more information later. Ron Marks, minister at Hart Dunkard Brethren Church in Hart, Michigan, whose members included some of the hostages, said, We're feeling great. Carlton Horst, a member of the congregation in Hart, Michigan, said church members received a text message Thursday morning from someone connected to the situation that all the hostages had been released. A mother and four of her children who belonged to the church were among the hostages. Mr. Horst, who's friends with the family, said the church is rejoicing, and he is elated that that portion of things is finally over. Just praise the Lord for that. The missionaries were kidnapped by the 400 Mowozo gang on October 16th. There were five children in the group of 16 U.S. citizens and one Canadian, including an eight-month-old. Their Haitian driver also was abducted, according to a local human rights organization. Two of the hostages were released in November and three more earlier this month. They were not identified, but members of the congregation in Hart, Michigan, told local media in Michigan that two of them were from that town. In addition to Michigan, the hostages are from Wisconsin, Ohio, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Oregon, and Ontario, Canada, according to the missionary group. Congressman Bill Heisinger, whose Western Michigan congressional district includes Hart, Michigan, said, Today is the day we've been hoping for, praying for, and working so hard to achieve. He said, I want to thank members of the hostage negotiation team for their diligence in securing the safe release of all the hostages. This is a great day for families in Michigan across the nation who have been worried about the safety of their loved ones. The leader of the 400 Mowozo gang in Haiti had threatened to kill the hostages unless his demands were met. Authorities have said the gang was demanding a million dollars per person, although it wasn't clear if that included the children. It remained unclear Thursday whether any ransom was paid or what efforts led to the hostages' freedom. Yeah, I don't know. Does Haiti have SWAT teams? I don't know. Anyway, um, good news any way you slice it, any way you look at it. And so we thank uh, the folks at RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring our tweet of the day. You know, we talk about so much bad news. Every once in a while, we got to give you a little good news, you know. Every once in a while, got to give you a little good news. Now, can can I can I give you a kind of a runner up for tweet of the day? Jake Tapper of CNN posted a picture. He's in the middle of a group of like uh, eight people at a uh, Christmas sweater shindig, a Christmas sweater get-together at CNN. And they all have their arms around each other, and none of them wearing masks. Of course, you can't do socialist distancing if your arms around each other. And the great Bonchi over at Red State points out, just days ago, Jake Tapper had to bait Senator Amy Klobuchar into attacking Ted Cruz for not wearing a mask, despite both senators being vaccinated and then and there being no requirement to wear a mask. Now here he is, 
arm and arm and arm and arm and arm with seven other people at CNN, nobody wearing a mask. It's all theater. It's all theater, folks. Know what I'm saying? Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I know, I know. I should have waited to see if uh, if you were uh, sitting down before I told you that uh, so-called journalists at CNN were being uh, hypocritical. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to shock you. Didn't mean to shock you, but there it is. Now, Ted Cruz was lambasting the CEO of United Airlines at a hearing over employee mandates, vaccine mandates for employees. Let's see how that went, because I'm sure that Cruz got the better of this guy. As a number of senators have observed last year, what Congress did with regard to the aviation industry was critical and it was unprecedented. Uh, We allocated over $54 billion uh, to keep the American aviation industry strong and healthy. Uh, I was the chairman of the aviation subcommittee at the time. Each of the CEOs on this panel and Ms. Nelson, I've spoken to all of you many times. Each of you went on great length making the case that that maintaining our pilots, maintaining our flight attendants, maintaining our personnel in aviation was critically important. We fast forward to where we are today and we find ourselves in a different circumstance. And the behavior of airlines has not been uniform. Um, I'm proud to say the two airlines based in Texas, Mr. Kelly's airline and Mr. Parker's airline, I think have been exemplary, particularly concerning vaccine mandates. Both of you have made public commitments that you will not be firing your employees because of failure to comply with the vaccine mandate. I thank you for that. Mr. Bastian has likewise made that commitment at Delta. The outlier here is, is United. And Mr. Kirby, United's behavior on this issue, I have to say, has been deeply disturbing. Uh, I'm a frequent customer of United. I live in Houston. I've got over a million miles on United. There are over 14,000 United employees in the state of Texas. And the way United has treated its employees is in market contrast to your competitors sitting here. Your competitors have said they will stand with their employees. United has not made that same commitment. How many pilots has United fired because of failure to comply with the vaccine mandate? Uh, Well, Senator, uh, I'm happy to talk also about the rationale for why we did it. We did it for safety. I I, 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 I have limited time, so my question is how many pilots have you fired? I believe it is six out of 13. And how many pilots have you placed on unpaid leave? Uh, I think it's about 80. Okay. How many flight attendants have you fired? Uh, I don't know the number. In total, it's about 200 employees. Well, I will tell you, I spoke this morning to the airline employees for health freedom that said they had over 2,000 United employees who had been placed on unpaid leave because they sought exemptions from the vaccine mandate. They said that that included 331 pilots. I will also note that I have been literally inundated with United employees complaining about United's callous disregard for the rights of the pilots. Wait a minute. So this liberal CEO of United Airlines is actually lying under oath to a senator? 
I'm shocked. I'm shocked, I tell you. Pilots. One of the messages was for a pilot who flew for United for more than two decades, who applied for and received an exemption from your vaccine mandate on religious grounds, and who was subsequently placed on leave with no pay and no benefits, including no medical insurance. Now his wife, who relies on her husband's insurance, has had to postpone a necessary surgery with no idea when she'll be able to reschedule because she, she has no idea when her husband will be able to fly again. And you're simultaneously enforcing a non-compete so this pilot can't even go work for your competitors. Another message I received from another pilot, a constituent self-described proud Texan, flew for the Air Force for almost three decades, including missions in Asia, now founds himself on indefinite unpaid leave with a denial of all benefits to include medical, dental, vision, insurance, disability, travel privileges, crew member access to jump seats, denied access to his retirement savings. This morning, I spoke with a 10-year flight attendant for United, a woman named Ms. Adriana Ubali, who is a single mom, an Hispanic single mom from Texas, who you fired... She received her termination notice tied in a trash can to her front gate. I have a letter here, Madam Chairman, from, from uh, Ms. Yubali describing the disgraceful treatment she received at the hands of United. I ask unanimous consent this record be entered, this letter Without be entered objection. in the record. Just recently, you're being sued by your employees for mistreating them for violating their terms of employment. Just recently, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals Judge James Ho, someone I know very well, an exemplary jurist, wrote an opinion in which he described the likelihood of your employees succeeding on the merits as the claims against you, quote, appear compelling and convincing at this stage. And I want to read what Judge Ho wrote about United. Title VII forbids employers from retaliating against employees who attempt to exercise their statutory rights. Yet United CEO Scott Kirby told employees in a company town hall meeting that, quote, very few religious exemptions to the vaccine mandate would be granted and that anyone who even attempted to request one would be, quote, putting their job on the line. I saw that video and it's a disturbing video. He went on to note, this is again Judge Ho writing, the district court thus concluded that United's mandate reflects an apathy if not antipathy for many of its employees' concerns and a dearth of toleration for those expressing a diversity of thought through both its policy and its official statements to employees. United has demonstrated a, quote, calloused approach to and apparent disdain for people of faith. Why is United's conduct disregarding the rights of your employees so different from the conduct of your competitor air airlines which are protecting the rights of their pilots and flight attendants and not firing them or putting them on unpaid leave for exercising their religious liberty rights. Well, Senator Cruz, again, we did this for safety. Uh, we believe it saved lives. I think that's my number one obligation. What a liar. What a liar. The CEO of United is this Kirby. People are dying from the vaccinations. People are dying from COVID having been fully vaccinated. What a liar. Reminds the CEO of Cumulus Media. Anyway, here's more. Safety, particularly running an airline. And you have and an obligation to your customers? My number one obligation is safety, um, including to our customers. Are your competitors unsafe? 
I think that the world is safer um, for us. I made the decision for United. I'll let the, my competitors speak for themselves. Uh, I made the decision for United uh, that getting everyone vaccinated would save lives and well, would Mr. create Kirby, a safer I will tell you environment this. My for all the other expired, world. But I will tell you this. I fly United flight almost every week. Almost without exception, when I'm on one of your flights, I get stopped by a pilot or a flight attendant, often multiple pilots or multiple flight attendants, who say thank you for fighting for us. Your employees are being mistreated, and it's disappointing. Your company is better than this, and what you're doing is wrong. You know, uh... I am Shatai. No, 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 no. I don't want the commercial. Shut up. I hit pause, and it says, no, we're going to play you a commercial. Well, no, you're not. Anyway, I haven't mentioned this before, but... um. When I was fired by Cumulus, see, Cumulus Media had a uh, policy, and they're going to fire you. They give you one week of severance for each year you work there, okay? So I worked there over seven years. So I should have gotten seven-week severance, right? Wrong. No severance. And they never said why. So I guess they figured they fired me for cause for me not uh, being willing to get the experimental jab. I guess that's what that was about. And I know a number of people are like, yeah, I'll never listen to Cumulus again. I'm like, okay. Well, I can't make the case for you to listen to him. Okay. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Now, as long as we're talking about companies coming down hard on people. What about Kroger? Have you heard about Kroger? CNBC had this article a couple of days ago. Kroger to take away paid COVID benefits, add insurance sur- sur- surcharges for unvaccinated employees. Oh, Really? Well, I guess I'll just have to find a different place to buy my groceries. I haven't been in a Walmart since last year. By the way, the Kroger Company family of stores includes Baker's, City Market, Dillon's, Food for Less, Foods Co., Fred Meyer, Fry's, Gerby's, J.C. Food Store, King Supers, Kroger, Mariano's, Metro Market, Payless Supermarkets, Pick and Save, QFC, Ralph's, that's big in California, Ruler, and Smith's Food and Drug. Just so you know. Kroger said Tuesday it will take away paid leave for unvaccinated employees who get COVID-19 and requires some of them to pay a monthly health insurance surcharge starting next year. The country's largest supermarket operator sent a company-wide memo announcing the changes, which take effect January 1st. A company spokeswoman said the new policies are intended to encourage staff to get the COVID vaccines, adding it will continue to offer a $100 incentive to all employees who become fully vaccinated. In a statement, she said, as we prepare to navigate the next phase of the pandemic, we're modifying policies 
to encourage safe behaviors, including vaccination. Starting next year, salaried non-union employees who are unvaccinated and enrolled in the company's health insurance plan must pay a monthly $50 surcharge, according to the company spokeswoman. But employees who are fully vaccinated are eligible for paid COVID leave if they get a breakthrough case. A breakthrough case. Oh, so the vaccine doesn't protect you after all. Oh, I see. The Kroger News was first reported by Wall Street Journal. Yep. Kroger to end some COVID-19 benefits for unvaccinated workers. Grocery chain to remove paid emergency leave for unvaccinated employees who contract COVID-19. Add $50 monthly health surcharge for some staff. Yeah, I guess I'll just... See, the problem is uh, I, I, I live in Arkansas, and um, it's either Kroger or Walmart... Well, there are other grocery store chains, but you you got to go looking for them. You got to go looking for them. I know that in central Arkansas, there's a chain called um, Edwards Food Giant. I'm aware of that. And there's also one called the uh, Harps. So I- I'm going to have to check those out. Because I don't like the way, uh, I don't like the way Kroger is treating their people. Know what I'm saying? No, they're uh, discriminating against people who don't want to, uh, risk their lives getting a an unapproved experimental gene therapy into their veins. Yeah, I don't want to I want to deal with that anymore. Harps is in Arkansas, Kansas, Missouri and Oklahoma. Okay. See now some of uh you know, depending upon where you're listening, I mean, if you're in, say, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, North or South Carolina, a lot of Tennessee, a lot of Virginia, you got Publix, right? So that's fun. Also, uh, Aldi is all over the place. I've never seen an Aldi, um, but I hear good things about them. They, they don't have one in the in central Arkansas. Let's see, Edwards Food Giant. Where where are they? Store locator. Okay, they they look to be exclusively in Arkansas. Okay, well, check them out. Check them out. Check out Harps. Because I just I don't like the fact that Kroger has decided to discriminate against people who don't want to risk their lives getting the jab. I kind of relate, you know. By the way, somebody told me the other day, Bongino said he's not getting a booster. 
I wish I uh, had a chance to listen to him more often, but I'm doing my live stream slash podcast while he is um, doing his his live show. But God bless him. You know, he had me on his show November 5th. Gave me 12 minutes to explain about how I got fired and why and they ignore my religious exemption and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, he's syndicated by Westwood One, which is owned by Cumulus Media, the company that uh, that fired me. So that took a lot of guts. That took a lot of guts, and I really, uh, I really respect and admire him for that. Somebody says it's also Whole Foods in Little Rock that doesn't have the mandate yet. Uh, yeah, but I just figured that since they tend to be more expensive, uh, I uh, that didn't occur to me. No, they get good stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know. So, by the way, by the way, got a comment here. We're talking earlier about the uh, teachers in California who were trying to uh, surreptitiously get kids into this whole transgender idea behind their parents' backs. And this lady said, what is their motive? I need to know why. Since we seem to have freedom of speech here, I'll share that my 13-year-old son and I, our family and and doctors are still trying to undo what his school and one particular teacher did to completely change his personality. I wasn't even aware of the depth and breadth of it until the next year. Well, I tell you, um, these people are evil. That's the reason why. They're evil. Okay. And they're child abusers. And in a sane world, they'd go to jail. You ever thought about that? The fact that sometimes teachers can get away with things that other adults would be put in jail for? Just a thought. Just a thought. As we hear from time to time, about child pornography going into libraries, that kind of stuff. Just a thought. They do it because they're evil. All right. um, That having been said, there's um, (laughs) some... Did you hear what ESPN is doing now? ESPN uh, did a special this week. They said last year a noose was found in Bubba Wallace's stall at Talladega Super Speedway. The next day, the NASCAR community stood with him in unity. It was like, holy bleep, it's the whole garage. That's when I lost it. Okay, so there was no noose. It was a garage pull. All the garages had them and have had them for years. 
before Bubba Wallace ever showed up. ESPN's acting like, uh, well, they're lying. They're lying. So, one of the people I follow over on Twitter is a gentleman named Delano Squires. He's the CEO of the Civitas Consulting Group, helping citizens serving organizations create opportunities for agency and prosperity. He's a scholar at 1776 Unites, Independent Voices focused on solutions for our biggest challenges in racial and socioeconomic adversity, education, and culture. He's a contributor with uh, Jason Whitlock on the Fearless Podcast. He's also on The Blaze. Delano Squires, you, you, you might not be surprised to find out, has a lot more melanin than, than I do. Some folk would call him black. Some folk would call him African-American. Anyway, he said ESPN should be ashamed of itself for running this. As I said yesterday, where the ruling class is concerned, fake hate crimes always trump real street crimes. Got it? Fake hate crimes always trump real street crimes. Yeah. They're going on and on. Bubba Wallace's mama all torn up about a hate crime that never happened. But ESPN's like, we don't care. We know where our bread is buttered. Speaking of fake hate crimes, come to find out, Special prosecutor in the Jesse Smollett case filed a motion to have his full report made public. Matt Finn over at Fox says, I'm told it might contain politically damaging material about how Kim Fox's office is run. She was the state attorney there who dropped all the charges on Jesse. Hearing is going to be Monday in front of Judge Tooman. That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. Because, I mean, a lot needs to come out. A lot needs to come out. By the way, I don't know if you heard about this or not. You might be one of those normal people that's not on Twitter. But, but, Twitter has announced it's going to penalize users who claim the vaccinated people can spread COVID-19. All right? Well, back in August, the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, to you, went on Twitter and said, I want to be clear, the majority of COVID-19 spread in the U.S. is among the unvaccinated. Vaccinated people can spread the virus if they get a breakthrough infection, but the odds of them getting sick in the first place are far lower than those who are unvaccinated. Oh, she, she, if she's, she's saying that, I mean, Twitter should, uh, should penalize her. We're claiming it's possible for 
the unvaccinated to be vaccinated. Right? Not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. Now, we talked to Julie Kelly on yesterday's show about the federal agents involved in the January 6th festivities at the U.S. Capitol. U.S. Congressman Thomas Massey, Kentucky, questioned Attorney General Garland about whether there were federal agents present on January 6th and whether they agitated to go into the Capitol, and the Attorney General refused to answer. Oh, check it out. There's a concern that there were agents of the government or assets of the government present on January 5th and January 6th uh, during the protests. And uh, I've got some pictures that I want to show you, if the uh, staff could bring those to you. That's Ray Epps, the guy that I asked Julie Kelly about yesterday. I'm afraid I can't see that at all. See, this guy Ray Epps says we need to go into the Capitol tomorrow. People start yelling, Fed, Fed, Fed. In other words, you're a federal agent. Shut up. Get out of here. Uh, is that a uh, a video? All right, you have you have those images there, and they're captioned. Uh, they were from January fifth and January sixth. As far as we can determine, the individual who was saying he'll probably go to jail, he'll probably be arrested, but he wants every but. They need to go into the Capitol the next day. Is then the next day directing people to the Capitol. And as far as we can find, this individual has not been charged with anything. You said this is one of the most sweeping investigations in the history. Uh, have you seen that video or those frames from that video? So as I um, said at the outset, uh, one of the norms of the Justice Department is to not comment on impending investigations and particularly not to comment about uh, particular scenes or particular individuals. This okay, without, I, I was hoping today to give you an opportunity to put to rest the concerns that people have that there were federal agents or assets of the federal government present on January 5th and January 6th. Can you tell us, without talking about particular incidents or particular videos, how many agents or assets of the federal government were present on January 6th, whether they agitated to go into the Capitol, and if any of them did. So I'm not going to violate this norm of, uh, of, of uh, the rule of law. I'm not going to comment on an investigation that's ongoing. He didn't ask you to. He didn't ask you to. So, um, so yeah, Thomas Massey says, I played the video for Attorney General Merrick Garland he refused to comment on how many agents or, or assets of the federal government were present in the crowd on January 5th and 6th and how many entered the Capitol. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He refused. There's a lot going on. 
There's a lot going on. The FBI. As I said earlier, they had the devices of this uh, this alleged child abuser, this producer of CNN, for 17 months before they uh, arrested him. 17 months. What's up with that? They covered up for Dr. Larry Nasser for a year. They had the goods on Larry Nasser. A newspaper. A newspaper. Had to out that. I got to tell you. The next Republican president, if we ever have another one. The next Republican president should. uh, Should dismantle. Should dismantle the FBI. So just should just flat out dismantle the FBI. They're thoroughly corrupt. They're thoroughly corrupt. Okay, Biden just can't stop lying his head off in a new interview with Ohio reporter. Really? The Biden team has been trying to blunt the criticism of Joe Biden not doing interviews and not being accessible to the press by having him do some things in very controlled or friendly settings. We saw him do a very friendly softball session with Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show last week. Then he made a few remarks to CBS's Rita Braver, who was doing a longer interview with his wife, and that was about as fawning of an interview as you can get. So on Tuesday, he did a virtual interview with a uh, reporter from WHIO-TV7 in Dayton, Ohio, a reporter named John Bedell. Now, remotely, you can't see any teleprompters or any other help that Biden might be offered in the interview, so it's a much more controlled situation than a live briefing or an in-person interview. Unfortunately, Biden once again told some bald-faced lies, something he has a habit of doing. Biden was asked about inflation and how much that was hurting the American people since it's at a 39-year high, as Red State reported this week. The producer, Price Index, also hit a record surge at almost 10% in November, indicating inflation is going to continue still higher. So Channel 7 TV reporter in Dayton, Ohio, John Bedell, asked a couple of logical questions on the part of his Ohio audience. What are you going to do? What are you doing about it? And is your proposed spending bill, the Build Back Better bill, going to make things worse? Biden's stock response to that question is now, Now that he's released 50 million barrels of oil from the strategic petroleum reserve, which covers what? About three days' worth of average use? 
when he gives that as response, hey, we've released 50 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's troubling because if that's the best he can come up with, we're in pretty deep mess here. That's not an answer that to the issues causing the problem. That's a badly stuck-on Band-Aid on a gushing major wound. But then Biden repeated another stock answer. That's just an out-and-out lie. So let's check that one out. Let's see what he says here in front of his fake backdrop. What do you say to people in the Dayton area, Mr. President, who have expressed concerns about whether trillions more in federal spending will will help when you have inflation at a near 40-year high? Uh, the way I say to them, this is not going to cost a single solitary penny. We're not going to increase the deficit by one cent in the Build Back Better plan at all. Lying through his teeth. That's what he's been doing his whole career. That's what he's been doing his whole career. That's patently false. As the Congressional Budget Office pointed out, it's going to cost this bill back better. It's going to cost even more than the $1.75 trillion price tag they're throwing out there. If you factored the real cost of the social programs out over the next 10 years, it would cost nearly $5 trillion and add $3 trillion to the nation's debt if it remains in effect through 2031. So this concept that it doesn't cost anything is completely paid for. It's just fantasy. Now, if they dispute that, then which of the social programs are they proposing to cut in the future when we get past the limited way in which they're assessing the numbers to trick people? If they can't say, then they're not being honest and in, and intend to continue them and just not being honest about that now. So the TV reporter, Channel 7, Bedell guy from uh, Dayton, Ohio, also brought up that Biden had suffered losses in the courts on the vaccine mandates he had been trying to impose. Bedell asks, your vaccine mandates have suffered some setbacks in court recently. Federal judges have halted three of those vaccine COVID vaccine mandates. Are you going to back down or are you going to continue to fight those in court? Biden lied and played the division card once again, attacking and blaming the unvaccinated. It went like this. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? The big deal is you're lying. So redstate.com says the big deal is the government is forcing it on people with lies like this. As is indisputable, you can spread the virus even if you're vaccinated. Biden doesn't even seem to understand that and keeps spreading the lie that if you're vaccinated, you do not spread the virus to anyone else. That's straight-up misinformation from the occupant of the White House. The vaccinated can get it. They can spread it. Plus, demonizing the unvaccinated isn't exactly making them rush out to get vaccinated. So it's just supremely dumb policy in addition to being divisive and harmful. But remember what Barack always said, uh, never underestimate Joe's ability to... Blank things up. In separate remarks, Biden was asked about Chris's presence being a problem for Santa. 
And we are just 11 days away from Christmas, and there are still concerns about supply chain issues across the nation. Um, do you feel comfortable speaking to parents and telling them that gifts are not going to be a problem for Santa on December 24th? Well, they're not going to be. You're going to, the problem is they're going to be available. <laughs> it's going to cost you money, or it's going to cost Santa some money. What an idiot. What's with the inappropriate laughter that both Biden and Kamala Harris have? What's funny about this costing Americans more? He also was asked about his responsibility for the COVID dead and what he's done to press China for accountability. Biden just smiled and completely blew off the question. He gave him the smile like blank you. Again, why is he smiling and refusing to follow up on what should be one of his most important jobs, pursuing China over what they did regarding COVID? He's done nothing to hold them to account. So if we're asking whether Biden was successful in his attempts to blunt criticism with these new remarks, I have to give him a failing grade. He doesn't appreciate the problems and can't stop lying his head off. Well, you know why he's not going to hold China accountable, because they blackmailed him. This is Nick Arama over at Red State, by the way. They blackmailed him. You know? They got stuff on him and, and, on, and on Hunter. And he will do their bidding. He will do their bidding. Count on that. Well, that's the way it is. That's the way it is with this guy. I never doubt it. Joe Biden, as long as he is able to, as long as he has the power to, will continue to do the bidding of China. Our mortal mortal enemy. All right, now let's look at Julie Kelly here. She was our guest yesterday. Did a wonderful job on the interview yesterday. Out there on Twitter this morning saying, so anyone want to ask Liz Cheney where she gets the idea that Trump took 187 minutes from when the violence started at the Capitol before he said anything. She said the first breach... Uh, the Capitol building was at 2.13 p.m. January 6th. Trump's first tweet was at 2.38, only 25 minutes later, in which he said, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Trump tweeted at 3.13 p.m., half hour after Capitol cop executed unarmed Ashley Babbitt, saying, I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue, thank you. 4.17 p.m., Trump posted a video message on Twitter saying, we have to have peace, we have to have law and order. Julie Kelly says, now I know everyone will be shocked to find out Liz Cheney as a bald-faced liar. When does her 187 minutes clock begin? When the joint session began? When the pipe bombs were found? 
Still no suspect, by the way. Liz Cheney does not include timestamps in her reading of texts, but this is notable. Laura Ingram last night said, hey, Mark, the president needs to tell, oh, no, I'm sorry, not on her show last night, but in a text that Liz Cheney read from January 6th, Laura Ingram is saying, hey, Mark, to Mark Meadows, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy. No one was inside, though, until 2.15 at the earliest. Yes, some troublemakers and police were getting into it outside before 2.13. Cops had been attacking people with explosives, tear gas, for about an hour by then, and dozens of alleged Proud Boys breached the outside barriers. Trump was supposed to tell people to leave outside? So Liz Cheney lying. Boy, I tell you what, what a, what a shock that would be. Mark your calendars. When does that happen? By the way, I wonder. I wonder. See, there are certain people who who voted to keep Liz Cheney in Republican leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives after she uh, voted to impeach Donald Trump over nothing. I wonder how they feel about that now. Because. I'm old enough to remember. I'm old enough to remember it was a private ballot. It was a secret vote. So nobody in the U.S. House had to tell whether he voted to keep Liz Cheney in Republican House leadership or voted to take her out. But there was one U.S. representative, a guy from central Arkansas, French Hill, who went on the morning show at the station I used to work at and said he was proud to vote for this woman, Liz Cheney, who voted to impeach Trump, proud to vote to keep her in Republican leadership in the House because she's such an outstanding conservative. One of the many reasons that French Hill has a primary opponent. Know what I'm saying? A guy named Conrad Reynolds. A guy named Conrad Reynolds. Website is electconrad.com. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this on the, uh, the podcast or not, but I uh, understand he's having a meet and greet at Guillermo's off of uh, 4.30 from 3 to 5 Thursday afternoon. So just uh, might see you there. <clears throat> might see you there. Hey, look, um, I want to share with you the best-kept secret in American healthcare, And this has helped me, my wife, and so many people that we know. Let me tell you how this works. And, and, and let's see if maybe it could help you. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Uh, how about back pain? Um, how about vertigo? about breathing problems? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally tilt your head one way or the other instead of standing up straight? If the answer to any of these is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and, and hay fever even. Now let me tell you how it works. 
Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas to get out of alignment. And if it does, your whole spinal column could get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It could affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your circulatory system, and yes, even your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, vertigo, breathing problems. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Surgical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor so you can find one that's close to you. Turnmypoweron.com. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Okay, now, what is... Uh, What's going on with uh, David Drucker over at DC Examiner? He says, um, new group funded largely by Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan that helped municipalities absorb extra money of administering 2020 elections awarded more grants to Republican jurisdictions won by Trump than Democrat communities that supported Joe Biden. That's in the Washington Examiner. And I wait. Molly Hemingway over the Federalist says, disappointing to see Examiner launder this Democrat talking point to give cover to Zuckerberg. Long reported, he gave numerous tiny, unimportant grants to Republican areas as cover for massive multi-million dollar grants to Democrat cities and swing states to run Democrat get-out-the-vote efforts out of government election offices. Yeah, exactly. Claremont Institute has has an article called Are Fair Elections Possible? And the quote is, although Democrats went out of their way to create conditions favorable to more fraud in 2020, the greatest threat lay in the legal votes resulting from changed election laws in Mark Zuckerberg's CTCL program. Yep. That's true. That's true. I shared with you the Real Clear Investigations article, D.C. Barr restores convicted FBI Russiagate forger to good standing. Kevin Kleinsmith, attorney. Julie Kelly says everything wrong in the nation's capital in one article. As D.C. judges berate and imprison capital protesters and Biden's DOJ demands... January 6th, folks remain behind bars, denied bail for more than a year, waiting trial. The criminals behind Russiagate escape justice, like Kevin Kleinsmith. Yep. That's true. That's true. Okay, so Julie Kelly has an exclusive to American Greatness came out today. She says, 
In a letter to Washington, D.C., Mayor Mariel Bowser on Thursday, U.S. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene demanded the firing of a top official of the D.C. Department of Corrections. Congresswoman Greene last weekend posted a series of hateful anti-Trump, anti-Republican tweets by Kathleen Landerkin, the deputy warden of the Correctional Treatment Facility, Dozens of Trump supporters arrested and charged for their involvement in the January 6th protest at the Capitol have been held at this correctional treatment facility. Denied bail by federal judges that requested Joe Biden's Justice Department, several Trump supporters have been detained in the D.C. jail for more than 10 months as trials are pushed into the middle of 2022. Detainees have been subjected to tortuous conditions, including Months in solitary confinement, physical assaults, racially charged verbal abuse, no access to family, and limited access to their attorneys. Guards deny access to grooming and health care services. In November, a federal judge released one inmate who suffers from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma after jail officials repeatedly withheld treatment. Withheld medical treatment to him. Got it? Marjorie Taylor Greene's letter, signed by 12 other Republican House members, said... As members of Congress charged with the administration of the District of Columbia, we strongly implore you to remove Landerkin from this critical position. Her biased comments over the better part of the last decade would evoke serious concerns from the American people who are watching the treatment of inmates, inmates who are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Landerkin suspended her Twitter account shortly after Marjorie Taylor Greene posted some of her more inflammatory posts. Green is one of just a handful of Republican House members advocating on behalf of these political prisoners. She released a lengthy report last week detailing what she witnessed in the jail during a visit which D.C. prison officials tried to prevent last month. Republican leaders in the House and Senate refused to acknowledge the political prison or the plight of hundreds of Americans ensnared in the Justice Department's vengeful and abusive investigation into the Capitol protest. All right, see, what I want to know is who co-signed the letter. That's what I want to know. Okay, so we got Marjorie Taylor Greene, Georgia, Louis Gohmert, Texas, Matt Gates, Florida, Paul Gosar, Arizona, Bob Good, Virginia, Andy Harris, Maryland, Ralph Norman, Ralph Norman, South Carolina, Mary Miller, Illinois, Barry Moore, Alabama, Tom Tiffany, Wisconsin, Andy Biggs, Arizona, Lauren Boebert, Colorado, Scott Perry, Pennsylvania, and Michael Cloud in Texas. And that's it, huh? That's it. None of the U.S. representatives from Arkansas. No French Hill, no Bruce Westerman, no Rick Crawford, no Steve Womack. Got it. Texas? Just the two. Just Louis Gohmert. Michael Cloud, that's it. No, no, no. No Dan Crenshaw. What, are you kidding me? Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. It's disgusting that most people in Congress won't say anything about this. It's absolutely disgusting. There's no excuse. 
A lot of people need to be primaried. Uh, Yossi Gesterner said only 12 Republicans in the U.S. House care that an anti-Trump hack runs a prison that houses political dissidents who supported Trump. Sad that Republican voters think the current House Republican caucus and Senate Republicans are worth their money, time, vote, and the majority. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? All right, can I can I do one more? Can I do one more up in here? The great Daniel Horowitz over the Blaze Media says Barrett and Kavanaugh's appalling hypocrisy on discrimination law and religious liberty. All right, we got to look at that. He says the federal government can't control our bodies, but state governments and businesses can violate our bodily integrity and religious liberty or engage in senseless, unscientific discrimination. That's the upshot of the principle emanating from the courts after a torrent of vaccine mandate litigation thanks to Justices Kavanaugh and Barrett joining the other liberals. In reality, under no other circumstance have the courts allowed states to violate bodily autonomy, even when they have legitimate state interests. Likewise, it comes at a time when the courts are forcing anti-discrimination laws on private businesses, even when it violates the owner's religious conscience. After a long winning streak in the courts against Biden's sundry federal vaccine mandates, the pro-liberty side lost a pair of cases in the federal courts that have hearings on either state mandates or private business mandates. At the Supreme Court, Six justices denied emergency injunctive relief to the New York health care workers who are being deprived of religious liberty exemption to the state's vaccine mandate. Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, and Samuel Alito would have granted the relief because of the irreparable harm incurred pending the litigation. Separately, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals declined to enjoin United Airlines from imposing a mandate on its employees. Coupled with decisions the Supreme Court has already made this year, it's quite evident that the mandates are here to stay in blue states, and many businesses will, businesses will continue forcing them, even in red states, until more legislatures take action. The fact that Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh believe that a state can stop you from earning a living and impose senseless discrimination for a vaccine that does not stop the spread and might even facilitate it, even against religious objections, is even more shocking when you examine recent court filings on state powers, religious liberty, and asserted health care rights. In June, Justices Barrett and Kavanaugh declined to join the three conservatives in ruling that it's categorically unconstitutional for cities to bar adoption agencies from only delivering adopted children to families with the mother and father. So they now believe states have a license to discriminate on behalf of the right causes. Now consider the fact that they, along with Gorsuch, also refused to join Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito in overturning a radical Fourth Circuit opinion forcing school districts to allow boys and girls bathrooms. Accordingly, a state is so powerful that it has the right to force you to get an experimental injection that doesn't work against transmission, but at the same time, it does not have a legitimate vital interest in keeping boys out of girls' bathrooms. Put another way, 
A person has a legitimate right to access the opposite sex's bathroom, but that same person doesn't have the right to be secure in his body against government coercion. If this is what a conservative court looks like, I'd hate to see what a liberal one is. In May 2020, before Barrett was on the court, only Thomas and Alito wanted to hear a case to overrule a Ninth Circuit ruling declaring it cruel and unusual punishment not to provide a sex offender in prison with access to castration and transgender hormone therapy. So, as it stands now in the nation's highest court, you have the right to force the state to provide you with a castration operation at taxpayer expense and be placed in a female prison, yet you don't have the right to have your body left alone. Huh, that's weird. When considering the backward view of the scope of state powers, let's not forget that in 2019, the Supreme Court refused to overturn a Ninth Circuit opinion preventing the city of Boise from cleaning up homeless encampments. So while a state evidently has the power to rule over your body for a shot that does not affect anyone else's health, it has no power to clean up its streets from crime, drugs, vagrancy, and chaos ruining city neighborhoods, a basic police power of a city and state to wield. Now, let's turn to the so-called private business mandates. Well, a private business can discriminate against anyone for health concerns, right? Dream on. This is the same court that denied an appeal from Baron L. Stutzman, owner of Arlene's Flowers, to assert the private property, free speech, and religious liberty right to decline to service a same-sex ceremony with floral arrangements. Only Alito, Thomas, and Gorsuch would have taken the appeal. So once again, at a time when we're told private businesses can demand that patrons or employees cover their breathing orifices or accept an experimental injection, we're also told a private business must actively service an an anathema to the proprietor's religion. A mom-and-pop shop can't merely decline to service an event that violates the tenets of every major religion, but every major corporation in an entire industry can collaborate with government to, to essentially implement apartheid and box out people from all employment if they don't get an experimental shot. Also, unlike in the Arlene's Flowers case where the owner was asserting a religious grievance, there is no scientifically proven grievance of a business owner to force employees to get a shot. Nobody disagrees that the shots do not stop transmission or lower viral load. It's all a question of how much personal protection they provide. If anything, the latest data seems to indicate that the vaccinated get and spread Omicron more than the unvaccinated. The notion that 60 years into anti-discrimination laws in the workplace... All businesses can bar people for not taking action against their bodies. It's absurd. Can employers force employees to take certain actions to ensure they're not more likely, in their view, to get HIV? (laughs) Good luck with that. Just take the recent Bostock opinion in which Gorsuch himself wrote that private businesses are compelled by Title VII of the Civil Rights Act not to fire any worker for coming in as a cross-dresser. Even though this can be much more harmful and potentially disruptive to a work environment than someone not getting a shot, which by definition cannot affect those who supposedly have their protection, it is now the law of the land that you cannot discriminate based on that behavior. Allowing businesses to force you to get a dangerous, ineffective, and possibly transmission-inducing shot is actually even worse because it's the equivalent of a business forcing you to cross-dress as a condition of employment. As Judge James Hull wrote in his dissent, In the Fifth Circuit case involving United Airlines, 
Title VII was intended to protect the same rights in private employment as the Constitution protects. The case is Riley versus Bendix Corporation. And at the risk of belaboring the obvious, Title VII aimed to ensure that employees will not have to sacrifice their jobs to observe their religious practices. Unlike transgenderism, religious conscience is directly covered by Title VII, which prohibits employers from discriminating on the basis of religion and requires employers to make reasonable accommodations for all aspects of an employee's religious beliefs absent undue hardship on the conduct of the employer's business. Forcing an employee to ruin his God-given immune system for a shot that absolutely will not protect the employee is the ultimate undue hardship. The point is that decades into a very strict and increasingly intensifying anti-discrimination regime on states and the private sector, especially in the realms of health care, bodily choice, religious liberty, and privacy, it's simply appalling to greenlight the most destructive, senseless, and dangerous form of discrimination of all time. The slate on regulation of private employment and state powers is not clean, not by a long shot. Take HIV, for example. Contracting HIV is certainly much more the fault of the infected person in 99% of the cases than it is with coronavirus, which is proven unavoidable unless you stay under a rock forever. Yet a federal judge in Puerto Rico ruled in 1990 that the zoning department, under pressure from concerned citizens, could not block a permit for construction of a hospice for AIDS patients simply because people had public public health concerns. Jose Antonio Fuste former chief judge of the U.S. District Court for the District of Puerto Rico, ruled at the time that although there is great cause for concern about the AIDS epidemic, when legitimate concern is fanned by a profound misunderstanding of the causes of AIDS, the rush to panic can easily result in illegal and unjustifiable discrimination against not only the disease's victims, but also against the laudable efforts of individuals working to contain the flames. He concluded that the Puerto Rican authority by misguidingly succumbing to community pressure, has itself become a party to such discrimination. Okay, now, the point is that the people in the community had no greater risk of getting AIDS from the presence of the hospice people there than without them in the area. Likewise, the science is clear that no person, group, or people, that no person, group of people, or business runs a greater risk of contracting the virus based on another person's vaccination status. In fact, the argument is even stronger here, precisely because, unlike with HIV, there is a vaccine that is supposedly so amazingly effective in stopping severe illness, which makes the concern about the other guy's vaccination status all the more shrill and illogical. Either it works or it doesn't work. Also, in this case, we're talking about healthy people who test negative and have no apparent symptoms or who often already had the virus and have greater immunity than the vaccinated without prior infection. Even though in the Puerto Rican case, the people themselves irrevocably and permanently were infected with the disease, the 1990 order called the actions taken by the people in the community irrational and unfounded. Judge Foste, in the 1990 opinion, wrote, Generalized perceptions about disabilities and unfounded speculations about threats to safety are specifically rejected as grounds to justify exclusion. So how come none of that, uh, uh, why doesn't any of this apply today? It's self-evident that red states need to interpose themselves between the federal tyranny and the people. 
There's nothing free market about businesses suddenly requiring ineffective shots and bizarre face typers. It was all induced by the government in the first place. As we now know from private emails between Anthony Fauci and Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, they collaborated at every stage of this fascism to censor, marginalize, and discriminate against anyone who disagreed with the government. When a private business can deny service to a gay wedding or employment to someone for having HIV or cross-dressing, then we can discuss a private business's right to enforce federal tyranny with a product endorsed, funded, and exempted from liability by the government. Until then, we expect every red state to ban these mandates and subject businesses to workplace injury liability. Equal protection under the law has to mean something, even if the judges believe some people are more equal than others. And that, that, my friends, is the great Daniel Horowitz over Blaze Media. The article is entitled, Barrett and Kavanaugh's Appalling Hypocrisy on Discrimination Law and Religious Liberty. He always knocks it out of the part. All right, that having been said, you've been listening to episode 47 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the 10th. Man, that's the way it is. Thursday, December 16th, 2021.